Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Every time, every time on time. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. And see each one of you. Amen. That is here this evening. And we are appreciative of you. Man, we felt the good spirit of the Lord here this morning uh, through song and, and uh, dedication and just the whole, the whole ball of wax, I guess, as they say. The whole ball of wax. Amen. I feel a little like teeter-tottered here for everybody over here. and You all must be in the cheap seats. I don't know what's going on. You must be in the cheap seats. But uh, a few there. <laughs> Bishop saying like broad is the way. And so I don't know. Where, what side was the goats and the sheep on in the Bible? There's, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <clears throat> Amen. We're going to be turning to Joshua chapter number 11. Joshua chapter number 11. As you're turning there, we still have a few more days in the month of uh, September. And we've been praying for our family focus. And uh, so there's just a few more days too that Brother Reese has the parking spot out there as volunteer of the month and such. But uh, I want to give like uh, some kudos or such to uh, Brother Reese. Uh, He came over here the other day. Uh, and accompanied my wife and helped her uh, prepare decorations and stuff for the fall and helped in that and he's been heading up the cleaning crew now and I was now you notice this I want you to notice something I was here the other night Don and I was getting some things and if you see these up and down marks on that riser all across there I know what that means that means someone used a vacuum cleaner up and down on the riser part of a stair I noticed. And so that's going just a little above and, and, and beyond. So I would, I would dare to say that he believes in the way that we should believe that when we do things like that, we're doing it as a work unto the Lord. And so... Uh, I just take a little bit of time there just to mention him with just a few more days left. That, that last time that church is going to be and he's volunteer of the month, you might see a tear coming out of the corner of his eye as he goes to a different parking spot the next time that he comes. Uh, but uh, we appreciate Reese. Amen. About a lot of fun and vitality. Amen. Here uh, over the past now months. P- months. Amen. And all of them for that matter. I, my heart is overjoyed every time I come to service and I see Ray and I see Glenna. Amen. And I see Tracy and, and so on and so forth and what God is doing in their lives and, and then people getting the Holy Ghost at home. And that's where ch- church isn't confined to four walls, but it's, it's far-reaching. Amen. See that smile on Raven's face this morning? As that was talked about and as she's leaving. I told them as they were leaving today, Kennedy and Raven, I said, uh, I said, we just might have to, you know, move 
the first Thursday prayer out to y'all's house. Just move that prayer meeting out there. You guys already got it going on. Amen. And so that was, that was tremendous. So we're just expecting the next one, Sister Jen. Whether it happens here or at home, we're just expecting the next one. Amen. Let me tell you something, though. Look, there's something you must understand. When something like that starts taking place, like one gets baptized here and one gets the Holy Ghost here, you know what starts happening? It builds momentum. It really does. It builds people's faith. You start hearing about someone getting the Holy Ghost, it builds people's faith. They're like, well, I, well, I can get the Holy Ghost. And you can. Well, I'll get baptized. Anything that starts to happen repetitively, negative or positive, it will build momentum for whatever that is, negative or positive. And so whenever we have those things, man, yeah, we're going to talk about it because that's we, we want to get under that and support that on our shoulders. Amen. And go forward with that. And so anything is possible. Anything is possible. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, man, that, that is always here. That is always here. That opportunity is present. Amen. At any time. You're probably at Joshua. Joshua chapter number 11. Amen. And we're going to, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 21. I never told you guys what verse. I'm so sorry. Media, they don't know because I didn't know that, you know. So they're just kind of in the wing with me. Joshua 11 and verse 21. And I'll probably just for good measure read down to verse 23. Okay, guys? And at that time Joshua at that time came Joshua I'll learn to read here one of these days <laughs> maybe I read too much and that's and cut off the Anakims from the mountains from Hebron from Debir from Anab from all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities there was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel. Only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto, the, unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And the land rested from war. The land rested from war. And so uh, Joshua is a very uh, peculiar book because he's kind of picking up where Moses left off. He's carrying on that leadership forward. And there's a lot that centers around conquest in Joshua, fighting and taking dominion, you will, if you will, of, of enemies and such. But there's other two things that precedes conquest and that follows conquest. And uh, with the help of the Holy Ghost, this is the best title I got for you tonight. It's three words, all right? Deliverance, conquest, and possession. Deliverance, conquest, and possession. Because we, 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 want, we want the full happy meal. All right? All right? You know, it's horrible getting a meal and then part of your meal's left out. You, know, you got your drink and you got your burger, but you don't have your fries. Or you get your fries and your drink and you don't have your burger. You, we want the full meal deal here. 
deliverance, conquest, and possession. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come to you this evening. Pray, oh God, you're able to stir up our minds and our hearts, God, in our lives. Help us, God, to look to your word. God, we'll find strength, Lord, and we'll find, Lord, direction there. Lord, give us, Lord, direction, Lord, even in this place tonight. God, let your spirit, God, find us here this evening. God, will not fail, Lord, to thank and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplish and what you do in this place. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Joshua concentrates, concentrates predominantly upon conquest. It is Joshua who takes the children of Israel, at least by his leadership, over that Jordan River that they had come to formerly and goes over that Jordan River into the land of Canaan, which the Lord had promised to the children of Israel. They, they circle, as you know, some of you, I should say, know the story. They circle that first city of Jericho for seven days, one time each day on the seventh day, seven times, and the walls of that city fall down, and that is a great exploit then for Israel in their conquest. They go from there uh, to Ai, and at first they come back with their tail tucked between their legs because their sin in the camp of Israel. But once they have remedied that issue, they go back to Ai the second time, and they conquer that, and they conquest and take control of land. And you're going to see then written throughout uh, the stories and out the verses of Joshua, particularly the first half of Joshua, it seems to be a constant mode of them overtaking land, overtaking adversaries, overtaking people and disposing of them. They are in fighting mode. They are coming against adversaries. They are coming against people that they would consider their enemies, and they are doing conquests. But before they come to this juncture of the road of conquest, there is something that happened to them. There's something that happened for them. We understand that their lives prior to this moment were spent, or at least their forefathers, their parents, were spent in the land of Egypt. It was a saving grace for them. Uh, whenever Joseph first sent uh, the wagons over to his father Jacob to have them come to the land of Goshen, it was a saving grace to them. It was during the time of famine that that was first extended to them and they felt like they'd need go down to Egypt to be sustained by the food and what the, the, the food that had been stored up during the time of plenty for the time of famine. But the Bible says in the book of Exodus that there arose another king over Egypt that knew not Joseph knew not everything that Joseph had done how he was very wise in knowing uh, how much of the grain to put back during the days of plenty and how in his wisdom how to order that because through Joseph basically uh, he secured for the king of Egypt all of the granary all of the land for that matter all of the people when the people didn't have any more livestock or land that they could trade for grain they gave themselves they gave their lives uh, to be a part of that. But there arose another king over Egypt that knew not, knew not Joseph. And this king, seeing the, the nation of Israel that it had become to be, uh, the Bible, I believe it says that in Exodus that just 70 sows entered into that land of Goshen. And though now, over years of time, they've expanded into a nation. 
Simply a family entered, but a nation was going to exit. And so they're in this place of Egypt, and the Bible says that because of this other man that arose over Egypt, he begins to put pressure upon the Israelites. He has them to serve with hard labor and with rigor, uh, building his cities, building his monuments. They're making brick, and they are serving every day from early morning to late at night. The Bible describes that they are under the hand of heavy taskmasters that are very rigorous and very mean-spirited toward them in having them build all these things. And even whenever Moses first showed up to be the deliverer, uh, the Bible says him showing up really didn't make matters any better for them. Things got worse before they got better. Uh, Whenever Pharaoh learned that, that, uh, Moses was there as a deliverer asking Pharaoh let, let God's people go so that we can take a three day journey into the wilderness and make sacrifice and worship unto the Lord the Bible says that things went from bad to worse in that moment that Pharaoh started making the people have to make brick without straw and still keep the same amount of labor and progression that they had done every day up to that moment in time and so here they are under hard bondage, under, under hard rule, and under a taskmasters that are very, very mean-spirited toward them. And the Bible says somewhere in all of this that the children of Israel began to cry out to God concerning their condition. They began to cry out to God concerning the situation that they were in of hard bondage. And thus and so, that's why God sent Moses to be a deliverer. And whenever we read of their deliverance, right, it's not something that was a snap of a finger. It was not something uh, that was a turnkey event because they were dealing with some very deeply integrated Pharaoh and mean-spirited taskmasters that was in the land of Egypt that wasn't just willing to let Israel go wasn't just willing to lift its hand and say okay they're yours you got it everything is fine the bible and i know maybe i'm saying some things some of you know tonight but the bible will go through and it will record all of these different plagues that came upon egypt and each one of them being a measure if i could say it like this was just the unclenching of another finger of egypt upon the nation of israel each one of them just being a section of deliverance that was coming for the children of Israel until they came to that 10th plague that our Sunday school teachers teaches our children of, of, of how the death of the firstborn would come. But it's in that night that God would speak into Moses leading up to that, that this is going to be the night, Moses, that there's going to be complete deliverance for you and the nation of Israel. He says, I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to slaughter that lamb, and I want you to put the blood upon the doorpost and the blood that's upon the side posts, and I want you and your family together in the house, and I want you to eat of that lamb. And there's, there's going to be enough lamb for your family. If you have too much lamb, you invite who you can over into your house to eat of that lamb and as you're eating all of this Moses I want you to eat it with your loins girt the Bible says I want you to eat it with your loins girt I want you to eat it with your staff in your hand he said because there's going to come a death angel by and when that death angel sees the blood it's going to pass over you but there's going to be a cry in the midnight hour Amen. And it's going to be the death of all the firstborn. But you and your people's going to march out. 
amen, through deliverance. So I want you to be ready, amen, for the deliverance that's going to take place. You've been crying for this. You've been talking to me, and I've heard your cry, and I've sent a man, and I've sent provision for deliverance. So I want you to be ready when deliverance comes. Can I tell us tonight that sometimes we cry for deliverance, but we don't make any provisions to be ready for when deliverance comes. We cry and we beckon and we holler out to God, God, deliver us or help us, and yet we're not there with staff in hand and loins girded and ready for whenever the cry comes, whenever the door swings open, whenever the provision is absolutely made, that we can go marching out of there. And the Bible says that's what the, the, the Israelites did. They marched out in that night hour. The Bible says that they left with a high hand. And as they are leaving with a high hand scripture records that the Egyptians are are, are making graves and they're burying the dead of their firstborn they're burying the dead of their firstborn while Israel's living leaving with their firstborn in tow because God is a God that is a deliverer God is a God that stays true to his word and so you need if you've never been delivered you need deliverance in your life but it takes more than a cry for deliverance it takes a provision on your part to be ready when God brings deliverance. And for you tonight, deliverance might not just be a turnkey in the moment. It might be one thing after another where the clutches of hell, amen, are separated from your life. Amen. So that you can march on out. And so we thank God for deliverance and we're glad of that. And we understand the original picture of God and plan of God is to take his people from deliverance and to go 11 day journey cross over the Jordan River and start conquest of the promised land listen to me God doesn't just want you delivered God wants you to make conquest in things that he's promised to you amen the difficulty of the first generation of Israel is that they became just satisfied with deliverance and didn't want to move forward into conquest. Someone say amen. The Bible says, listen to it, Aiden. The Bible talks to us about that. The, the spies, all of you know, many of you, I don't want to say all of you, many of you know the story, how the spies were sent into the land and they're seeking it all out, right? They know that there's, there's cities there of fortified walls. They understand that there is, there's good fruit in the land. They even bring back a cluster of grapes to, to denote that and some pomegranates to denote that. There's good fruit in the land. It's a fertile land. They know their cities and towns they also know that there is people in the land and according to their estimation they know that there is some strong people in the land as a matter of fact the bible says in numbers moreover the sons of anakim are there the sons of anak are there and these were people that were giants these were people that were tall that were strong that were foreboding and so whenever Israel decided not to go into the promised land it just wasn't the fact that there were many people there or walled cities there one thing in particular as a footnote almost in numbers is the fact that the children of Anak were there the Anakim were there there were giants in the land and thus and so as a result of that they said we 
we're just going to have to be satisfied with deliverance because we don't believe we can make conquest with these things called giants. Look at your Bibles. You can read it in Deuteronomy and Numbers. The Bible says that when they seen the sons of Anak or the Anakim that were there, they said, and Brother, Brother Malone, I'm looking at him because I've seen where he's at teaching in his Bible study in there, so he's been already through all this. The Bible says that we were as grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. There were giants there that made the children of Israel feel believed littled in themselves someone say amen but in order to get conquest in order to receive the promises God has for you you're going to have to face some giant because listen whenever you read about giants in scripture there is uh, the Anakim there is the Emim, there is, there's a lot of them I even can't pronounce, different names of giants that all go back to giants of the Rephathim and the Nilephim right there in, in Old Testament scripture right before the flood. They seem to have this interconnection. Although there might not be a direct, a direct ancestry because of the flood, it seems there are spiritual connotations, right? Because they believe the giants that is in Genesis chapter number six, that the sons of God God joined with the daughters of men and that there was this, this grouping or if this, this publishing forth of giants that are in the land. And I believe there's a grand spiritual connotation with the fact that they were the sons of God. There was a spiritual connotation to that. And so when we read of the Anakim, amen, in the conquest of the land, these are some that have some type of even connection with those that are before the flood, amen, of giants in the land. Land. and giants in the land will cause you to feel that you are belittled some of you got some such giants in your life we 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 could name them different things too things that you faced in your past because what they were facing in the land of Canaan had a spiritual connotation that preceded them what they were facing when they wanted to go into the promised land had a spiritual attachment that went way back in the past. Some of us are facing some giants in our conquest of what God has promised to us that are some things that's been in our past. And when it shows up, we feel like we can't. When it shows up, it looks taller, it looks stronger, it looks more foreboding than what we believe we can do, we can go forward and accomplish. But we gotta get in our minds, God didn't just deliver us to deliver us. The Bible says he brought us out to bring us in. He wants conquest. Conquest. Yeah. Conquest for your life. And that means facing your giants. That means facing your giants. That means facing those things that you deem that are strong. That means facing those things that you deem as powerful. As a matter of fact, whenever you look, the Bible says that Anak, and even the scripture tells us that Caleb took Hebron and he drove out and he conquered the children of Anak. It mentions the three sons 
of Anak. They have three names, but their three names mean something. I'm going to save you, me, from trying to pronounce their names, all right? But their three names mean something. One of them, okay, you talked me into it. Ahimman is his name, one of the sons of, of Anak. And his name means brother of, of gift or brother of fortune, brother of right hand. It's, it's indicating that he's powerful because he's the brother of the right hand. He's, he's a powerful force. And then there is Shisha, all right, whose name means noble. Now, I know what our minds go through. We're thinking about nobility and princes and kings and things of that nature. But noble also connotes in the dictionary that it is of imposing or magnificent size or appearance. That is also a meaning of noble, which is exactly what the children of Israel faced concerning the Anakims when they first was going to cross Jordan. We, we were as grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were in our own. And then the last son's name means abounding furrows or bowed. Abounding furrows. I'm going to put it the best I can in, 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 in layman's terms. Drawing a line in the sand. Huh? You draw a line in the sand, you've made a furrow in the ground. His name is Bold. Uh-huh. Oh, you want to do something? Yeah. Cross that line. What is that? Boldness. Huh? A furrow in the ground. But the Bible says that even Caleb and those that went over into the land of promise that God said was theirs, so what are you going to have to deal with, Caleb? Well, we're going to have to deal with something that's powerful. We're going to have to deal with something over there uh, that, that is also of a very, very imposing size and magnificence. We're, we're going to have to deal with some over there that's a little bold and cocky, that's drawing lines in the sand toward us. <laughs> Someone say Amen. We, we're going to have to deal with all these things. Yet notice what the Bible says in our scripture reading here tonight. The Bible says, and this is kind of a culmination. This is kind of summing up all of the fighting that Joshua and his men has done up to this moment of time. The Bible says, at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains. All these mountainous areas, he cut them off in the land of Israel and those that were with him. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what you must get. They were delivered from Egyptian bondage. They went to the Jordan River and they said, we can't go in there because of the Anakim. And a whole generation dies because of that mentality. But in the second generation, we see another generation going into the land and they are eradicating the very thing that the first generation said, we can't do that. They're too big. They're they're too strong, they're too bold, they're too confident. Listen, 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 listen. God, God is just so awesome. Because whenever we read the scripture of Joshua, you know he could have set it up like this. They cross over in Jordan, first battles with the Anakims. But that's not how it worked. When you look through the book of Joshua, they're fighting here and they're fighting there and they're overtaking that and overtaking this. Do you know that the Anakims almost come last in the list of their conquests? Why, Brother McGee? Because God knows how to order your battles. God knows how to order your battles because the Anakim seems so just overwhelming. 
just too much. God says, all right, I'll give you a victory here that you might think is a little victory. I'll let you overcome over here in another victory. And what's God doing through each of those victories that they are getting along the way before they meet the Anakims? Hey, I, I, I won, I, I'm victorious. I won, I won that battle. You know, maybe, maybe we can do this. What, what's God doing? I think Bishop said he's building your faith. I, 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 oh, maybe, maybe your, let's just get out. Maybe your giant is addiction. So he's going to let you win the battle of lying on your way to the giant of addiction because he's trying to build your faith. God's ordering your battles. He's, he's not interested in trying to see you fail. He wants you to succeed just as much as you want to succeed. He wants you to succeed. So he's going to allow you to conquer this little battle over here and feel like, you know what? I feel a little bold myself. I feel like drawing a line in the sand. I feel like putting a... Yes! The Anakims are conquered almost at the end, but every battle up to that point in time was preparing them for the moment they were going up to get that thing that they seen as a giant, as they seen as an impossibility, as they... Amen! You got deliverance, but you also need conquest. Someone say amen. Because God has promised you things. God has promised his church things. But after conquest, there must be possession. You read in the next chapter, I believe it is 12 or 13, one of those. I was speaking about Joshua's old. He's virtually in his physical self has done all the fighting he could fight. And he even talks about how there's still some things to be fought for because, and we read the scripture and sometimes, it, you know, might think it's confusing or it's contradictory because the Bible says that he, he, he kind of got conquest and he, he overtook the whole land. And... And that's, if you're thinking of it, that every city and every town, then that meant that he dispatched, then we're wrong in that thinking. But that means that in every region and area, if you look at it in Joshua, places in the north and in the south, places on the plains and in the valley, Joshua had conquered to the place that he had dismantled the adversary, had scattered them, got them reeling on their heels. <laughs> And then you see that he begins to divvy up the land according to the tribes. And then it's almost as though he puts it on their shoulders. I know we've been fighting this thing together, but now that's your land. And you take care of whatever's needful to be taken care of that remains in that land. And they're going to go and do some fighting. And they're going to get the upper hand. But the great pitfall after conquest is having a land that's dispatched of the adversary and you never inhabiting the land. You've been delivered and you fought hard, but you're not living where God wants you to live or you're not living 
where you have dispatched the adversary. Here's what happens when you leave a space that belonged to the enemy empty after you have made conquest on it. If you leave it empty, it won't be long. The adversary will re-enter and set up housekeeping again in the land that you formerly disbarred of the enemy. Because it happens. Empty space is just asking to be filled. I couldn't tell you how many times in the past we've cleaned out room number three. Because there was a lot of times it, there was no purpose or use per se to it. And son, that room goes from that door to that corner. And over time, huh, brother Reese, you'd be glad you wasn't here. You'd have a nervous breakdown. Over time, he already having a nervous breakdown. God help him. Voids get filled. You don't keep your car in the garage, other stuff's going to get in that garage. Someone's not even parking the garage they paid for because they got stuff in it right now. Oh, the, the Holy Ghost is moving right now, speaking to somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But whenever you, whenever you get deliverance and you get conquests and you leave what's been disbanded empty and you don't step into that, why are we surprised then? That shows back up. Because it lived there before. It had grown comfortable there. And if it's your old giant, it's the defiant one. It, huh? It's bold. But for true success as a child of God, you need your deliverance. You need to prepare for that on your side and be ready for when it happens. But you don't need to spend 40 years in a wilderness with knocking knees on this side of the Jordan saying, oh, there's big giants there. No, no, no. You need to go forward and take conquest and let God lead you to that battle by the other battles leading to that one. But once you've did all the disbanding in what God has allocated for you, do you hear me? He said, Judah, you get this portion. Naphtali, you get this portion. Simeon, you get this portion. What? Well, that's yours. You get them out, you move in. That's yours. Honey, you need to settle that in your mind tonight. God's got a peace for you. God's got an allocation for you. God's got a place for you. God's got a ministry for you. God. But we need to do some driving out and some inhabiting. We need to possess deliverance, conquest, and possession. Amen. Someone say amen. Stand with me. Listen, I know. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.